Le- Lester said he broke up with the Browns in what year? Man, I was like fifth, sixth grade when uh, John Elway oh, so he was, he was and done. the Broncos. Damn. So, so I, I, I didn't break up with him totally. I just emotionally detached. <laughs> we haven't learned how to do that. We got to learn how to do that over here as Browns fans. But we, I, w- I want them to win, though. I want them yeah, to win. Yeah, man. I don't know what's up. He said they're not going to ruin my Sundays anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anymore. Lester, who'd you grow up like when you – who was your favorite team coming up? Football? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. First and foremost, man, I was a McKinley Bulldog. For sure. <laughs> I was that kid at the uh, games with the jersey on, with mm-hmm. the hat, with all the buttons, smacking helmets when they used to come out the tunnel. Oh, so you See, was a fan fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a fan fan, especially mid-'80s, mm-hmm. '90s. Um, and then I, I played '94-'95. Uh, I started two years That's at Strong dope. Safety, so... I watched a lot of the greats come through there. Percy Snow, Dean Brown, mm-hmm. Chris Clax, the Grimsleys. I mean, the list go on. So so you were like inspired in sports by the local guys. Yeah. That's what's yeah. up, man. What made you want to like put on the pads yourself? Just watching it? Or? Man, you know, just watching it. And then, you know, in the hood, they used to have like turkey bowls at St. Benedict's back in the day. Mm. And at Belton Elementary. So, you know, we playing rough and tumble with your cousins cats in the neighborhood you start watching uh i I was just one of them ones that went to the games with my uncles my grandfathers and i was like you know what you start seeing you got a little bit of athletic talent so i start playing then started off in camp midget league played at harford and then it was like i gotta i gotta get in Fawcett stadium so what side of town well you talking about camp what side of town you from what's your area northeast Man, I, I I was blessed, man. I had two hoods I grew up oh, in. Oh, okay. Where you grew up <laughs> so, at? So, um, I started off right by Bell and Elementary. Okay. So, I was born in uh, 77. My mom had me when she was 18. My dad was just a few years older, just like so many other, um, you know, young relationships. It, you know, it didn't last. Yeah. So, in my grandparents' house, it was a three-bedroom house. My grandparents had one room. It was three boys in one room and three girls in another. Ooh. So when I come along, they say I cried. Wah, wah, wah. So we uh we had to move to Hillview. <laughs> <laughs> we know he we know Hillview. We know Hillview. <laughs> yeah, man. You, we uh you know you go to in Hillview, man. You go to use the bathroom. You sit down to do number two. You had to lift the toilet seat up because the roaches might be yeah, having a pool they might party be down there with you. <laughs> When you went to bed, you had to lift them sheets up. Yeah. They might be playing rough and tumble football up under there. <laughs> Come in the house uh, late at night, you flick that switch on, and then they just spray all, all over the place. So I stayed there. We stayed there. I mean, I was probably, I think I was in like preschool in that time frame. And then we finally, we moved up like the Jeffersons in Stark Metro. We got a scatter site. <laughs> We was able to get a scatter site by the old Washington. Ain't it funny like in Canton, moving up in Canton is just moving to a bigger crib. Yeah. In the same hood. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was the same hood, but just on the other, other side. side. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we moved there uh, probably like right right at the end of preschool going into uh, kindergarten. And I, we stayed there, man, all the way up until like my junior year. Man. So I had two sets of friends 
because uh, it was the it was one of those duplexes right next to the old Antioch Baptist Church. Wow. And so I had my friends there, and then I had all my friends that was in my grandma's neighborhood right right by Belton. So you know it was it was good, best of both worlds, two different hoods, yeah, and all that, and you know just you know just the whole football vibe, um, late eighties, nineties, you know Hurricane Crack Trina. <laughs> hit the hood. I never heard that. Man, you know, you know. And you start seeing all that stuff going mm-hmm. on, but it was positive, and it was th- it was hood stuff going on too. So let me ask you this: You know, we talking about two different time gaps in Kent because we different in age. Like, mm-hmm. what was the city like then versus compared to now? Because you see all these changes in Kent, and, but you talk about like the city, how you grew up. What was it like when you was coming up? In the city, man. Overall, man, it was. I, I think it was cool. I mean, you had a good blend. I mean, right throughout the city. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you had those who stayed in public housing. Then you had those who was blue collar workers. You know, that busted their butt, did what they needed to do to take care of their families, and it was a. It, I think it was just was a, a good blend. Yeah. Um. You know, C- Canton is a is a steel belt town. And, uh, you know, the factories here um, back then and, you know, people was taking care of their families and stuff. But then just like nationwide, other stuff start moving in. You got your poor, middle class, wealthy, those that those the have nots was trying to make things happen so that they could have. Um, You had working families trying not to be so heavily influenced by the negative, but it was a lot of positive going on, a ton of positive. And then you had your, your, you know, your regular elements that was going on. What positive could you say was going on? Because I I see the things that you're doing. What were the positive things that you noticed coming up? Man, so so that's kind of the so in both neighborhoods that I grew up in, you had your you had your families that was uh Working, working together that was married. Then you had single families that was tr- trying to make stuff happen. Mm. Um, I would say I was blessed to be in a time frame near the end where families looked out for families. You know what's crazy? Let's not to cut you off. It's like no, no, everyone no. that says that about Canton is like that sense of community. Yeah, a lot of the guests we've had, Latrice, yeah, big on that. Latrice yeah. Snodgrass, yeah. you know, she talked about that sense of community in the city of Canton. Like mm-hmm. even the way she described it, like, and I remember it too. Mm-hmm. Like a good example would be like if you got in trouble from somebody in the neighborhood, you don't mm-hmm. get in trouble when you got home. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But it's like now, it's that's gone. You can't talk yeah, to kids. Yeah, I mean, I can, and then going to my grandma's neighborhood, I remember like where she stayed at on, and my grandfather stayed at on 4th Street. I mean, it was families all around that knew you by name. Mm-hmm. They knew your grandparents by name. If you was doing something you wasn't supposed to do, they, was gonna they had the right to check you. And then if you didn't respond the right way, they was coming to the house. And then for me, I would have had to answer to my grandma, my grandfather. I had aunts and uncles to answer to. And then when my mom come to pick me up. So you're getting, <laughs> so you getting a couple whoopings. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and you know, like, you know, I don't had a story. I don't had that story where, you know, like the 50 cent store, I was stabbed or shot a whole bunch of times. But it was like. You <laughs> <laughs> didn't come up rough. But like growing that. up, it was like. My grandfather worked at uh, LTV Steel. Uh, my paternal grandfather, he actually was one of the first police officers 
to get a squad car wow. from walking the beat. His name was Walt Cherry. In Canton. In Canton. No way. So the, the whole bit, the black business district on Cherry Street, um, he was one of those officers. The black officers couldn't get squad cars, so they had to walk the beat. And so he was one of the first ones to get a squad car. So I grew up in, I would say, a blue-collar family. But then when there's three boys in one room, three girls in the other, your grandparents in the other one, that put us in public housing. Man. So it was. I, I think I would say I saw a good blend. And the biggest thing, like you were saying, man, it was that that sense of community. Yeah. And and then you know back then you had it. You had a lot of uh, like sports you could get involved in. Youth sports. It was a lot of activities. And then the summer job program, JTP. Legendary. So, yeah. So I, I mean, mean everybody had, in the city was in <laughs> JTP. They had summer jobs all over the city. What was your summer job? Man, I was uh, actually I started off um, doing vocation classes at Temkin mm-hmm. when I was like fourteen, um, and then I couldn't work two summers because bouncing, but my mom bouncing between jobs, income levels because you had to have a certain income level. But my first job, main job, I would say was my was it my senior summer of my senior year. I was a youth uh, work site. No, I was a, a camp counselor, Ooh. YMCA camp. So I'm down at the at the Southeast Community Center. You got the center kicking it. Southeast Community <laughs> Center. RC Hill said, "Hey Lester, I got a I got a I got a I got a choice for you." He said, "Now you can apply for these jobs. You can either you can either cut this grass. You could cut grass all around the city, Fawcett Stadium. You could cut grass throughout all the neighborhoods." Or you can come work at my camp. I said, man, give me a second. Let me think about it. He said, you take a second to think about it. I said, man, give me them kids. <laughs> you ain't want to cut no grass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I could work hard if I needed to, but if I got the option, I went on ahead and took them kids. And it was like one of them moments. Once I started working with the kids, it's like right then I knew, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And you realized that your senior year of high school. I realized that, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. But I had traces before where I just like helping people, you know. So, you know, I was blessed to be able to, to live with my, to be able to be raised by my my mom. Uh, my dad was in the Army, um, you know, and I was in elementary. He went to the Army, thought it was the best route for him. He got a, he was uh, in Germany. Korea, mm. Texas, and Kentucky um, from throughout elementary, my high school years, all those places. And um, I just was able to be able to grow up with my grandparents and great-grandparents. So when my great-grandparents was older, they all had gardens. And so I wanted to make sure all their stuff was taken care of as they were slowing down. And then they also would give me some change so I could get some uh, some popping chip money. <laughs> <laughs> How much was popping chips then? Because you know inflation now it's twenty dollars for a bag. Man, of you, chip get, you get <laughs> you get you get pops and chips for like seventy five cent. Dang man, the good old days. Both I guess. of them. Man. You get both. Both. Of them. Oh. In multiple stores around the city, you could get a popping chip for like seventy five cent. See, good I've luck heard, in twenty twenty three. I always heard those stories growing yeah. up. You used to be able to go to the gas station, fill your tank, spend. $10 for your entire tank and now it's like you spent $10 you got gas for the day I remember when gas was like 99 cent unleaded 
gas so expensive <laughs> now. You look at the car, like you know what? I might have to walk to work today because mm-hmm. you know, I you know, this is just. Let me get a scooter. <laughs> it was bird scooters add up though. Yeah, they yeah. add up quick. Yeah, but I was I was blessed to grow up with uh, you know my grandparents and stuff, and then from helping them. I started kind of like you when you know people start talking about what you want to do when you grow up. I kind of just looked at different paths to help people, but then once I got that job at the YMCA camp, I was like, "This is what I'm supposed to do." And then with working with them in that summer, I was like, "I like this age group, but probably middle school, high school uh, overall." So that that kind of like got pushed into it then, and then. I did that for two summers, and then the following two summers, I was actually a worksite counselor. Um, Paul Martin, uh, who was the direct city of Canton director, he has uh, like 10 college students who would be the uh, supervisors over all the, all the workers throughout the city. And so I was fortunate to be one of them, and I was like, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Man, that's that's beautiful that you realize your purpose through helping others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I washed some cars along the way. Yeah, I'm say, yeah, I wanna... cut some grass <laughs> along the way. I earned, used to earn money shoveling snow, clean, doing odd jobs, cleaning out. Uh, my grandfather used to always pay me to clean out the garage and, you know, all the different odd job stuff that you could do. But as I was doing both, I knew I was like, this is how I want to earn a living, working with young people. And you learned that spirit of working you know from being raised like raised the right way and um from other people like just that that hard working mentality mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying um what do you think like what do you like do you think that's needed now like in regards to like just people wanting to work for something because it's like you started young yeah no that's that's huge man i i think no matter how you grow up poor middle class or wealthy man Work ethic is a part of what you need as a human being. Yep. And, um, you know, oftentimes those that come up or grow up without a lot, um, without the right support, you can process it wrong. So, like, I used to stand rain, sleet, or snow on Walnut Avenue and Fifth Mm. in the food stamp line. Mm -hmm. So it's cold out there. It's hot in the summer. It might be raining. And you so talk, you talking to the male, man. I know all yeah. of that. <laughs> man. Of yeah. course. Yeah, I, I ain't even got I ain't even gotta say nothing about that. You got that. And um I used to stand in line and every once in a while I'd be like, man, ma, why we gotta stand in line to get these snaps? And so, you know, I had an urban mom, sometime when she got mad, she would talk through her teeth. She'd be like, Shut up, Shut up. you wanna eat, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> don't ask for nothing in this yeah. store. <laughs> so I used to stand in the line and start thinking, like, okay, this is where we at. But, man, I, I would like to go to the grocery store with cash yeah. like my grandparents do mm-hmm. or some of my aunts and uncles. And so I would just like sit like, what could I do to position myself where I didn't have to depend on a book of stamps? Right now, they got the, they got the EBT card where you swipe it. <laughs> so <laughs> you people had to don't go know, but stamp back we, in the we day, literally yeah. had to bust them stamps wow. um, out the book. And it wasn't that I was ashamed. I just I think early I had a sense of I want to be independent to where I, to the point where I could take care of myself and yeah. not depend on the government. So I always and you, you realize that in the youth that's that's beautiful, man. Man, I think it was because I, I would say I probably was an old soul with growing up with grandparents, yeah. so you had all these sayings and stuff. But I really think everybody 
has it in them. The question is, do you ignore it? But it starts at home. But it starts at home. I was gonna say, do you think that seeing people work so hard around you is kind of what got you to do that yourself? Yeah. And, you know, you can, people, people only can be what they see sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that work ethic and then the eth- work ethic back what I'm going to hold you responsible and accountable for whatever you do. So that was a big blessing that I had, man, between grandparents on both sides, aunts and uncles on both sides. You couldn't get away with nothing. So, <laughs> can't get away with nothing in the house. And 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 so, you know, it forced you to set responsibility. And then, you know, I tell students all the time, you know, right now I primarily work with more high school and college age. But, man, turn your adversity into a university and learn from it. Because mm. it's not a person that walked this earth that don't have some type of adversity. Facts. And, and, and that's key for people to realize because sometimes you can grow up thinking that I'm the only one going through. I, you'll hear me keep saying it. It's people, poor, middle class, and wealthy. They're going through the go-through. The question is, how do you respond to whatever it is that you're going through? And I just, I, I was blessed to have people to help me respond the right way. You're really blessed with that. Let me ask you this, because um, we talk about that, but sports is a really big part of who you are. Mm-hmm. What... What did you learn through sports that applies to your life now and working with the youth? Man. So <laughs> it's funny you say that. I tell people, so Tom McDaniels was my head coach. Shout out Tom McDaniels. That's dope. That, that's Josh, him Josh McDaniels' dad, head coach of the uh, – uh, why I'm hitting the blank. Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders, yeah. <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. You know, he got multiple Super Bowl rings with the Patriots being the uh, offensive coordinator. That's dope. Shout out Josh McDaniels for that. But I look back, man. That was like a university in itself of the program that Tom had. And then my defensive back coach, John Spider Miller, it's just a lot of the stuff that they programmed us to, to be the best, to get the most out of us on the field. But a lot of it also transferred into everyday life. You played with a good squad, huh? Just being on time. Oh man, I had a we. So I was McKinley a was senior. He played for McKinley. McKinley was yeah. nasty in the yeah. 90s. So I was a, I was a senior. Right. I played nine. I was ninety four. I played in the one hundredth Mass McKinley game. Ooh, the historic one hundred. That was probably insane. We. Man, you talking flex, about? Go ahead, flex on them, Weston. You talking about twenty <laughs> twenty six thousand over in Maslin? Wow! And we did lose um, the regular season game, and then we played them again in the playoffs. Thirty five thousand plus at the Akron Rubber Bowl. People coming in still at halftime. People standing at the old Rubber Bowl. People standing. They all in the in the seats in the bleachers, standing all the way around, standing up and down, and all the way around. People still coming in at halftime. Man, so you played like, yes. like you said, in the 90s, like when it was like. Yeah, so I was, was a outside. senior when yeah. the guys that won the national championship, Kenny Peterson, Jamar Martin and them, they were sophomores. And Mike Doss was a freshman. Ooh. Ooh. So they was on so, the come up. <laughs> so what was crazy, man, going into my senior year, we were projected to go five and five. We only had maybe about 25 seniors and only about 11 of us was actually talking about something. 
So when we seen that we were projected to go five and five, man, we was like, hey, man, we ain't got time to be playing all these games that we got to get these young boys ready to play with us. Yeah. And that's what we focused on. And, man, we went eight and two. My man, senior year. That's the my, no, my junior year, we went uh, – did we lose two? Anyway, we I, I'm, we either lost one or two my junior year, but then we went to the state semifinals playing Cleveland St. Ignatius back yeah. then, and that's when they was like a a mini Mac Mac conference <laughs> team. Cats <laughs> <laughs> uh, on both sides, only going one way. They still do that. Yeah, to the, they're insane. Yeah, they, yeah. They still recruit. They're not at. They're not as big as they used to be. Mm-hmm. But the formula is still there, man. Between them, Cleveland, uh, Saint Edwards. Mm-hmm. So they have the same coach. That's the parochial schools, man. That's mm-hmm. able to recruit and everything. But man, we um, we, we we it was some battles, man. What was that energy like? Just going on them games, like you described it with the size of the crowd. But what was them Friday nights like, man? Man, I, I tell people all the time versus now, man. It was like the city, lightweight, three-quarters of the city shut down. And yeah. we make, And we making our way to Fawcett Stadium. I mean, it's nothing, even regular season game, just it, we could be, you know, you could be playing just not your rival, Maslin, 17, 18,000 in the stands, depending upon who you playing. Them was some good times, man. Fawcett would be lit. Yeah, man. You start – I mean, I just think about it now. You Back then we had regular grass. You smelling the grass, the popcorn, just the whole energy. And, man, you know, Saturday, Friday nights, man, it would be lit up in there, man. What position did you play? I played strong safety. Okay. I was uh, – you know, at the end of the day, I was an undersized strong safety. But you um, held it down. That put that wo- but they put that work in though. Ooh, you laying <laughs> them out. I did a little. I did a little bit. I I won't I won't toot my own horn, but I would say I was Toot probably it. say what you mean. Uh, you say what you mean. Let's uh, just say, go ahead. Come say on, what man. you mean, podcast. All no, right, no, so no, I'm going to was a man. I would say I was a <laughs> elite non scholarship okay. strong safety because at the end of the day, ninety nine and a half percent don't get scholarship to go to the next level, especially in football. And so, like, my senior year, man, I was uh, first-team All-County, first-team Northeast Inland District, um, and I made the All-Ohio team. I was special mention All-Ohio, but that's that's four. So, you look out of all the teams in the, in the state of Ohio, I was I was number four. You got first-team, second-team, third-team, and special mention. And then only being 5'7", um, like 170 pounds, and, you know, the teams, when I was in high school, man, my teams was Ohio State and Notre Dame. And so you talking about playing safety at that level. I mean, you talking about 5'10 and taller. So um, so you kind of had to put in that work and prove yourself. Yeah, man. I had to I, – with only being 5'7, man, I had to, I had to be re- relentless in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to be relentless with, with conditioning. Cause I had to, I had to compensate for my size, and you know, being a strong safety, you really in a four three defense, you almost like a linebacker, mm-hmm. and so I had to compensate for size and speed and strength. Tell me a play or a moment any of the games that was one of your favorites. Being an athlete playing for McKinley, man. So we lost the Victory Bell in '94 in Maslin. And growing up, 
you know, the victory bell will go back and forth. I don't know about now. So right now it's lopsided. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The victory bell been on their yeah, side. Yeah, it's been for over there for time. a minute. <laughs> so, but we 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 go we trying to put it in the direction where you know where it's the natural order of things that stay on you know go back and forth. For sure. But I always said if if we ain't got the victory bell, I'm going to go get it. So my senior year, man, I left the game with like 11 solo tackles, four assists, and one interception. Yeah, so they let you walk in and get the bell. So I'm playing like that. That <laughs> clock was going down. I'm looking up at the clock. I'm looking down the sideline. There you go. Everybody over here celebrating when it's like seven, six, five, four, three, two. I'm like, boom, right across the field. <laughs> and I'll never forget. My uh, tailback, Adrian Brown, was like, Lester, I knew your butt was going to get to it, trying to get to it first. <laughs> so I'm sprinting across. And then I didn't realize how heavy the bell was. So I sprint across <laughs> the thing. I try to grab and start taking off. almost ripped off about half oh, my stomach man. muscles out. And then by that time, he got here. And so on the way, he was throwing out some expletives. Like, man, I knew he was going to try to get here before I got here. But actually, I was glad he came because then we both pulled hey, it across was the stage. Yeah. <laughs> we both pulled it. We both pulled it across the stage together. That's what's up, I mean, man. across the field together. But that would say that's the huge moment. And I say I went out with a bang because I wasn't the kid that got the scholarship that wanted the scholarship. And then, man, another moment for me was our senior year – Cleveland St. Ignatius was running the table on people. Like, they hitting boys 48 points, mm. 30 points. A couple, couple of them games, got, they yeah. got up in the 60s. And we was like, our defense, we had our own meeting. We ain't wait on the coaches. The coaches did what they were supposed to do to prep us, but we had a meeting ourselves. Like, they not doing that to us. They ain't going to do it to these yeah, inner city boys. I can't put no 60 points on us in no football and, game. And, uh, and, you know, it, it was one of them things is like you go in the game trying to win, but you know how stacked they was. And they got on both sides of the ball four to five cats going to major D1 schools and everything. Man, at the end of the game, I don't remember how many tackles I had, but I did have an interception that game, and it was 13 nothing. So when they won the state that year, you go down that list, they looking at everything. They won the state championship, but it always was like, oh, they only beat Camp McKinley 13-0. Because we was like, we ain't having it. So they only score once, and they kick two field goals. So y'all, y'all definitely put that pressure on. Yeah, them. yeah. We was like, no, nah, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't happening. It ain't, to us. <laughs> it ain't happening from us, right, bro. We, right. we from Hillview, bro. Right. <laughs> Hillview, some other cats. Yeah, yeah. But you know, then you know, it was a, it was a good blend. Yeah. Um, a, a kids back then, man. And at the end of the day, we just like it ain't happening to us. So, so if you gotta lose, we gonna lose with some integrity in the right way. That was that would have been a probably that was probably a great game to watch game like that all defense that's all it, defense yeah. it, it was thirteen nothing it was Ooh. a game and then what was sweet was the tailback we had played we had our own we had back then you had a freshman schedule sophomore mm-hmm. schedule JV and then um, varsity and so the same tailback we always you know we going at it the whole game so it was always he called me two eight that was my number and I'm calling him two five. And at the end of the game, at the game my senior, he was like, man, 2-8, man, it's, we, we didn't have some battles. He said, man, this is the most physical game we play every year. 
Mm. So you talking about cats that won the state championship multiple times back then, but he like, this the most physical game we play every year. So I think it's a testament, man, to, to, to the program, the history, and just the program that Tom McDaniels had back then, man, because we really had a – he ran it like it was a college. Would you ever be a coach? Like, would you ever, like, get into, like, head coaching, like, a high school football team? Or? So I had coached freshmen. Okay. Defensive backs for, like, four years. Um, I loved it, but coaching in high school is really more tailor-made to that teacher schedule. Because um, if you don't work for – as a teacher or within the school district, if you got a job, you still got to make sure you got all your responsibility because yeah. school – is in, is is out like at two thirty, and so while I while I really liked what I was doing, it was kind of taking a toll. And then that way, that that's when I shifted to let me move to player development. Then that way I can come in for my time slot to do what I do, do stuff for a little bit versus that whole time commitment that a coach that you got to put in. I did that. That's what's up, Lex. I'm, I'm I'm glad we was able to have our sports center moment on the first half of this. Yeah. <laughs> I dig that. First man. take. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Get my Stephen A. O. I dig 30 for that. 30, the Lester Sanders story. That's good. <laughs> Yo, Lester, man, before we go on this break, where can they follow you at, man? Shout your social media out real quick. Man, my website is uh, lestersanders.com. Okay. Um, you can definitely hit me on uh, on YouTube. I ask that um, if you got a YouTube um, account, go ahead, hit subscribe, hit that bell. Yeah. I got some stuff on there. You can pull this bell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can pull this one. You ain't gonna rip no stomach muscles you gotta out. Click it, that's it. But it's you know the YouTube handle and then forward slash Lester Speaks. Okay. On Instagram, Lester Sanders. All right, Michael Zach, what about you, man? Where can they follow you at? Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Zworthy68. That's all I got. That's my socials. All right. Okay. And you can follow me Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok at Jean P the MC and my website www. JeanPTheMC.com, episode 76. Lester, you going to stick around with us for a minute, man? Yeah, man. This is the Say What You Mean podcast, man. This is my first podcast I've been on, so what? definitely want to say big ups for inviting me. Of course, me. man. It's crazy that um when you called me, like I said, you know, when we was talking before we started recording, it was like I was trying to like, okay, I need to start getting, trying to see if I can be some guests on the podcast, you know, build relationship, get exposure. And then when you called, I said, yep, it's time to move. This so. is the best podcast to start at, man, because it's yeah. like we're going to want people to know who Lester is. You know what I'm saying? Get to know who you are. So cool. Appreciate I'm looking it, forward man. to this. Maybe we're going to take this break. John Peter MC, Seaweeds, under the weather. He couldn't be here with us today. Mike Lizak, you got a chance to get a mic again. So Lester, check this out. Mike Lizak, he's not supposed to have a mic. But he got one today. Wow. Two days in a row. Okay, okay. And his character's name is Mike Lizak. So any other time, he'd be on the show, but he wouldn't be in front of the mic. Okay. <laughs> so if you're around enough. But you can hear him. Yeah. You hear me in the background. I am a background voice. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So this cool. is a rare thing. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So this is Jean Peter MC, episode 76, Lester Sanders. Say what you mean. Peace. Peace. Uh, say what you mean. Mean what you say. Say. I'm from the 3-3-0, three, three, oh, oh. where them boys don't play, don't play. Say what you mean, mean, mean what you say, say. I'm from the 3-3-0, three, three, oh, oh. where them boys don't play From the northwest to the northeast, say my name once and they know it's me Southeast to the southwest, no arguments, yeah I got next, Jean P 
What so? Yo, 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 what up? Jean P the MC. Say what you mean. Episode 76. We got Michael and Zach in the house. What up, what up? We got Lester Sanders in the building. How you feeling, man? Man, I'm feeling good, man. First podcast. Say what you mean. You got me wanting so, to get on the field I'm, after I'm that first I'm enjoying the vibe. <laughs> Ready to go later. Got me wanting to put some pads on. Michael's like, did, you play Did you play football? sports any, John? Yeah, man. I ran some track. Okay. But okay. you know, I'm hip hop. You know okay. what I'm saying? You, I ain't going to about the lyrics. I'm all about the lyrics. Yeah. My dad was the athlete. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Michael, I, is that, did you play sports? Oh, yeah. I was football, and then I did shot and disc and track. I was a thrower. Okay. I like shot and disc. I almost like track more than football, honestly, because like once you get out of football season, you get into track season, it's just way more laid back. Mm-hmm. You can kind of relax a little bit, but you still have fun. You know, you're yeah. doing your own thing. Yeah. Especially so like being a thrower. We talked a lot about ba- uh, football in the first segment, but then also I wasn't a hooper. I was gym class nice and hoop. Are you a gym? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I was could, my nice, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? <laughs> I could lead gym class with 12 points. But <laughs> organized good. ball, I wasn't all that. that shit, but when you talk about basketball, man, I can't be on here and not. I remember watching John Johnson play for Timken. Man, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. That's dope. And this all-city night at, at the Fieldhouse, Timken and McKinley plays jam-packed. Man. Shh, I there. remember. I remember, man. He was nice. Man. See, and I, I ain't just saying that because I'm on the podcast. It's some folk that I know was nice, and he was one of them. Thank you, man. <laughs> my, it's an athlete on the show that said that. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, you can't know guys like, yeah, I played for McKinley, but they ain't play. They yeah. wasn't on the field. Oh, it's a, it's a lot of. Uh, oh, come on. It's, we already it's know. A, players. It's a lot of players that players. just had Ooh. uniforms on. <laughs> Especially in Canton. Or they boy actually played, but they. <laughs> Hey man, that's only something people in Canton to get because uh-huh. it's like you be like, yo, y'all play for McKinley. All right, did you play? Yeah. Or did you just sit on the side? And and and, yeah, and bro, I, play. I ain't throwing no shade on the one right, who right, didn't right, play. Right, 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 right. But did you play, or did you really play? Was <laughs> <laughs> you on team, or did yeah, you play? Yeah, man. I tell you, oh, I forgot to say it in the last segment, man. But you know, we talked about my whole career and everything. But man, I lucked up. In 2014, man, they put me in the Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah, man. They didn't tell you? Huh? They didn't tell no, you? No, no, no. They told me. I, oh, went, okay. I went to everything. I was just, <laughs> okay, you know, okay. just trying to add. When you talk about say what you mean, I was just trying to add. Say what you say, mean. Go ahead. Man, I, I'm in the Hall Let, of Fame. Lester oh, trying to confirm yeah. in this episode he was nice. That's all he wants y'all to know. But in this podcast, he played and he was good. That's what's up, man. I was nice, man. And we got a Hall of Famer on the show. Yeah, yeah. man. So the Cam McKinley Hall of Fame, not the Pro Football Hall hey, of Fame. Hey, man. It's Cam it, McKinley Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. And that's like. Connected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So yeah, man, you right yeah. there. Yeah. Like, you say it counts. Yeah. Count <laughs> Lester, let me ask you this, man. So we talked a lot about sports. Um, after high school, when did you uh, really start, like, getting hands-on with trying to help athletes and student athletes? Man. So <clears throat> I had to backtrack some years for that. So when did I get – say it again. I basically want to ask you, like, after high school, when did you kind of, like, because you went to Kent. Yeah, I, I went to Kent State University. And okay. I, I was on a preferred walk-on list, and I walked on. How was that? What was that experience like? Oh, man. It was a good experience, but in college, man. It's the more intense. That's a, that's a grind. Yeah, I bet. When you're paying for college and not on scholarship. Ah, yeah. Yeah, so I was on a preferred walk-on list. And, you know, 
leaving high school, you know, the, everybody talking about trying to go D1 and without getting any offers, but I was on their preferred walk-on list because actually I was being recruited by them and the guy who was recruiting me, him and the whole coaching staff going into my senior year, they got fired. Ah, oh, man. So you bring in a whole new regime of coaches, and then I just stayed on the walk-on list versus the, the, the offer list. And so it's a lot of work being a scholarship athlete, but it's a whole lot of work. When you talk about being a non-scholarship athlete, because you got to work, you got to. Yeah, yeah, you got to. You, you, you know, why they working out in the summer? Some of them work, but majority didn't because they were on scholarship. You know, I'm working in the summer because my mom paying for school all by herself, and so that was the hardest part. And then, kind of with the lack of information, and this ties into how did I got? How did I start working with student athletes? Um. I shouldn't have walked on that Kent State. Mm. What makes you, why, why you say that? So, when you 5'7", yeah. 170 pounds, my, my athlete idol, his name was Jeff Burris. He played for the University of Notre Dame. He played with Jerome Bettis. And he was a safety. So, while I'm, so he was that when we used to go, it used to be downtown Kent in the News Depot. Every year, I would go to the News Depot right before the season started, and they had the magazine that had the top of every position. And so I had Jeff Burris, had him up on my wall. What's the one? What's the, what's the uh, is it the Biggie joint? It was all a dream. Used I used to, to read, read Word Up, up magazine. magazine. Saw Pepper and Heavy D yeah. up in the limousine. Yeah. And, that, and then he said, somebody was on his wall. Happy, uh, every Saturday. Was it somebody on his wall? Mr. Magic. Heavy pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic, Molly Mar. Yeah, well, he had he had pictures on his wall, but Jeff Burris was on my wall. Lester got me rapping. Yeah. I wasn't trying to do that. I'm about to rap the whole album. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Big. I'm about to rap, though. <laughs> so I watched everything he did, and yeah. I watched some other safety, too, but he was the guy for me. But watching Notre Dame, Power Five, especially Independent back at that time, it didn't register that Jeff Burris was six foot. Mm. <laughs> and so while we only seeing the teams that's on TV, that's all we knew. So everybody trying to get to these teams. But I didn't know about as much about the lower level or mid or lower level division ones. Show enough didn't know about all the the network or conferences for division two. And Division Three, because at the end of the day, you when you when you start hitting Power Five, Mid, Low D One, Division Two, it's really all about player profile. That's real. You it's some it's a ton of talented cats between five seven and and five ten, but then you got to go run up on a a tackle that's pulling. He's six eight. So sure. like for example, Kent had a uh, had a. Uh, Tight end that went that got drafted by the Falcons, OJ Santiago. I'm running at five seven, running a four five. He's six eight, tight end, running a four five. I can't get away from him. No. <laughs> so you dealing with all these bigger guys, yeah. But with the right information, I would have walked on to 
a division that was more my profile. What division would you have, what school would you have walked on to or what school do you think you would have been able to play at? Man, I probably, knowing the information I know now, I would have did like a, a Walsh Division Two, mm-hmm. Ashland Mount Division Union. II, um, Slippery Rock. But then really selling in there, I think I could have made it and probably earned a scholarship there, but I was heavily recruited by Mount Union. And, man, they had my jersey. <laughs> Coach Karras was flashing was the rings. But the only thing is Mount Union Division Three private university, my mom couldn't foot that bill. Because yep. yeah. <laughs> no Division Three is no scholarships. No scholarships. Yep. No scholarships. And so, you know, I missed the 96, 97, 98 national championship. They was recruiting me like I was a D1. Man. And so – Going through that process of being recruited by Mount Union, which was D3, private university, Wittenberg, um, Tiffin, they was Division II, uh, Dayton, and Duquesne, who was Division One, but they was non-scholarship. And then I picked two schools just to – if I'm because I, I knew I needed to go to college because working with kids, you had, I got to have a degree to play the game. Um, so I, I, I said, if I'm going to just go to school and football is over, I chose Akron U or Kent. And because I was on Kent's preferred walk-on list, I went to Kent. But, man, I got – well, I remember the day my mom dropped me off, him, her, and my uncle Dwayne, and dropped me off. I got my stuff set up in the dorm room. Then the players came back from the stadium, and I'm looking like, what in the world <laughs> did I get myself into? Yeah. How big these cats was. But then they were the small giants amongst the giants when it comes to the bigger so division. So you ain't even see the biggest guy. Yeah. <laughs> like like they had a center. His name was Bob Halen. I would talk to him on campus. He got drafted by the Browns. Okay. So even though back then Kent would get, get pumped for like 50, 60 points sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> But they were still D1. Yeah. And I'm talking to Bob Halen looking up to him on campus. You know, we talking, but I'm my head is tilted back. Y'all that's on the how same big, team you looking that's up That's how big up. he is. <laughs> and so because of that experience, that some of it I didn't know while going through the process, is like instead of being that athlete that's bitter or never can move on in life, as a at the end of the day, a, a life skills educator, I want to educate the next generation. And then going back, with growing up in the hood, navigating a lot of the obstacles and hurdles. Um, you know, I threw out there, you know, in the 80s, hurricane, crack Trina flooded the neighborhoods. But then you're talking about the war on drugs back then. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Nixon got that ramped up. Carter ramped it up some more. Reagan ramped it up some more. Bush one ramped it up some more. Mm-hmm. And then Bill Clinton came with a baseball bat and hit a home run and put with a the cherry ni- on top. With the 94 crime bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I watched with poverty and folks trying to find a way to earn a living. I watched people's lifestyle go from here to here. Man. Those that got caught up, those that didn't have any hope, they got caught up on some of the drugs and stuff. I mean, like I watched. So New Jack City, the movie came out and I saw Chris Rock playing Pookie. And I was like, man, if that's what that crack do to to somebody, I ain't touching. I don't want no parts of it. And then I was blessed to have a conscience. And it's like 
I ain't selling that to nobody. But some didn't have that because they didn't have those resources to not. Like, you got to think, in that time, when it came to what you was talking about, like with drugs and stuff like that, the things that were around you, it's so easy to get caught mm-hmm. up in it. Yeah. Especially being from Canton. Yeah. Like, let's just be real. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's nothing to yeah. be like, oh, you want to sell some weed? All right, cool. You somebody here. You want to sell this? Cool. But you chose a different route. Yeah. And, and I think that's beautiful. You man. know, a quote I remember by Dr. King, he was he talked about in a message that we are in this vast ocean of materialism. Mm. I I might be off with the quote, but I'm trying to paraphrase it. But he talked about we're in this vast ocean of materialism where we're comparing. And so the, those that don't have, seeing with those who have, have. And it's like you, it's natural human instinct to want some things and then to want the things that you need and to want some wants that you just want. Sometimes people maybe possibly drop their standards or their consciousness and they take an alternative route. That ain't the best route. Yeah. And so I saw a lot of people take that route. I mean, they say talk about how the streets lead to death or jail. I had a cousin that was killed in kind of like a botched drug deal. He rolled up at the wrong time just to make a purchase for use. And he got mistaken as somebody who just came and robbed. Man, my condolence. And so all, watching that, going to Hartford, um, Two classmates within that time frame in class on Friday didn't make it back to class on Monday. So all so you talk about and then on top of failing second grade, not liking that feeling that getting left behind. So you had all those things that was going up from like 84 all the way up to the mid 90s. I was like, how can I use this education to be able to help somebody make better choices and decisions. So I had majored in criminal justice and I focused on prevention in the juvenile justice system and positive youth development. Positive youth development is the non-academic factors to student success. So I just looked at my passion for helping people. How can I help people overcome the obstacles and hurdles of growing up in the hood? Because back then when I was in college, that's all I focused on. But as I worked on my skill getting more experience, I was like, man, I, I found out I had a gift to be able to reach all students. But of course, there's always like a target or niche that you have a passion for. But I found I had a passion to work with students across the board, man. I did. That. And so that's how I got into um, student athlete development. And I tried to give you a backdrop of how yeah. I got into student development. But man, there's so many student athletes, man, who are putting all their eggs in one basket. At the end of the day, you can get on NCAA.org right now. Nationwide is like 8 million athletes. Damn, that's a lot of athletes. Like people, I mean, you think about it. The population of the United States, um, Stark County is one of eight, is one of 88 counties in Ohio. Ohio is one of 50 states in the United States and its territories. So you got millions of athletes nationwide. Yeah. Only 2% male and female get scholarships. Why is that percentage so small with it being so many athletes? So it's about 4,300 colleges roughly. Um, There's only for for scholarship colleges, there's only so many slots. Hmm. 
to break it down and just keep it 100 with you on the Say What You Mean podcast. That's right. <laughs> um, you can't give all tuition away to every student because at the end of the day, college is a nonprofit, but it's a nonprofit business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's academic scholarships and there's athletic scholarships. So there's only so many free slots that I can give you to earn a degree. And at the end of the day, um, there's only so many scholarship slots. And so when you talk about 8 million athletes funneling into a certain number of slot students, I mean, at colleges, only 2% male and female. And so my message to student athletes is be balanced. Go hard if this is your goal or your dream. But because of what the numbers say that the NCAA is saying that you might have to go pro in something other than sports, you need to be able to look at what is your next steps Mm. if your number is not called to the next level. Because I wish we had a graphic we could show like 8 million and then show what 2% of 8 million is. See, you being an athlete from Canton, that's the one thing I kind of noticed even when I was in high school was like, these guys is great athletes, mm-hmm. but like they never showed them, yo, you know, school matters too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So do you think, was that going on when you were at McKinley? Like we, they're showing y'all the game, but they're not showing y'all a life after football. It just kind of seemed like being in Canton is just sports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, being the, being the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I mean, it's where football started. And so sports is heavy. Very heavy. For me, that's not the problem. The problem is the information that's being spread. And I think there's some schools, people in the community, they try to spread the information, but you being young, sometimes everybody not listening. <laughs> that's a fact. But there could be a greater effort in getting the education out about what was going on. So those numbers that I'm talking about, I had no clue back then. But I'm thinking like, man, I'm trying to go get a scholarship and go to the league to get my mom out of public housing. But not understanding, man, it is eight million plus student athletes and there's only so many slots and other ways to get your mom what she wants. You know what I'm saying? More than just being on the field. And that's the key is getting people to say that sports is a way, not the way. Mm. So it's a career exploration process because if I don't get my, if my number does not get called, I need to be able to look at what are my next options. So I think between middle school, ninth through 12th grade, you have to be able to start really doing a heavy career exploration process. And I think that's the big problem because if I'm only leaning towards sports but haven't put any effort into what's my purpose, what's my talent, what's my gift, what am I interested in? So we got my son who's 14. He's a ninth grader at McKinley. You know, I'm on him right now and all the students that I work with is like you can't go from ninth to 12th grade only doing the things that bring pleasure in the sense of video games, um, in the sense of just having fun. There's nothing wrong with good, clean fun, but I got to be able to balance having fun, but also preparing for the future. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the big part that I watch too many athletes not prepare for their future. Yeah. Because because at the end of the day, if only 2% is getting scholarship, it's a bunch of people that got to go pro and other other than sports. Mm -hmm. So you hear about, the, the the nice athlete that went to so and so school, but he only made it first semester, 
or only made it two years. Well, at the end of the day, there's a whole education that needs to come along with just making the high school to college transition. It's a whole different skill set that you got to start learning. Because why? If we talk about, you know, Canton, city of Canton is an inner city school. A lot of times you're dealing with first generation mm-hmm. or maybe a few that went to college in the family. But we talk about the pretty brochure on campus. We talk about the dorms, but don't talk about the life of camp- of being a college student when you off on your own all by yourself and yeah. you got to manage your own time. What are some tips that you give like to student athletes when it comes to like it's a life outside of sports. What are a few tips you can give on the podcast that you were giving to some of these students? Oh, man. For number one, whether you're a student athlete or not, I got what I call the big six. Um, number one, you got to develop a vision for your life. Where do you want your life to go? And you got to spend some time in trying to figure out what do I see myself doing for 30 plus years? Because the average American works for 30 to 35 years before they retire. That's real. So what mm-hmm. do I see myself doing? So I got to begin a career exploration process because at the end of the day, bills don't pay themselves. Facts. <laughs> That's right. Food, clothing and shelter don't pay for themselves. You know, chips and drink ain't 75 cent no more. Yeah. <laughs> no, you. I mean, what, what they like a. $2 now. Man. $10. So, no, a <laughs> and so you got to start thinking, what do I see myself doing yeah. for a long time that would that would make me happy? Or, or I want not just happy, but bring fulfillment in my life. So I got to have a vision. Vision is simply saying, where do I see myself in my 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s? Not just in the area of making money, but do you see yourself traveling the country? Do you see yourself traveling the world? What do you see yourself doing outside of work? Do you do you have a fat? Do you see a family? It's just all the type of things. What type of lifestyle do you want? Because I don't think there's nothing wrong with trying to have a a, a a middle class or 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 even rich lifestyle. But the question becomes: What vehicle are you using to get there? What with the I'm not to cut you off. No, I'm gonna ahead. ask you with the climate though, like with that vision, like. Dealing with these now nowadays, these kids want to go viral. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, is that a frustrating thing to deal with that? Like, man, the analogy I try to give them the same way I talk about is eight million student a- athletes, like high school, and there's only so much that is a, that way smaller percentage that go to the next level. In the same way with trying to go viral, you can go viral for a. a, a uh, a second, like the latest one was about the chicken salad lady. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to that part of Cleveland yeah. to get a chicken salad. If you but know, you know. But it's like you can go viral, but the question becomes: you can go viral, but does viral gonna support gonna take care of food, clothing, and shelter? Me, nope. yeah, man. Because not all viral gets taken care of. You talking to a hip hop artist? Trust me, everything that's viral ain't hot. Yeah, it's not all good. Yeah. Viral. It's not all good viral. And, like, and for oh. me, we know that you know there's it's stuff that go viral, but then some stuff that has substance and meaning may never go viral. Facts. But it's just one of those things of, and I ain't I ain't knocking the cat videos that go viral. <laughs> but it's just <laughs> I ain't knocking the pimple popping videos. Yeah, yeah, I'm knocking those know? ones. I'm knocking those ones. Yeah. Those can get off my time. Yeah, yeah, I don't gotta watch that. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, you can't get caught up in thinking that I'm going to make it big. Because you gotta be realistic. You gotta be realistic and go after some worthwhile and obtainable goals. And maybe your big 
might be 300,000 a year versus 80 million. But 300,000 where I come from on from government assistance that's, is that's, huge. Yeah. And so it's like you got and then you got to be realistic about what industry you in. Those that make ridiculous amounts of money is in ath- athletics, entertainment, um you know, we know we could look at how some of the greats in hip hop earn they 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 fortune. And if you just got to look at you just got to know what industry you in and be realistic about it. That's the one thing, even though it's two different avenues of me doing music and you teaching athletes. That's the the common thing is being realistic. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think it's really important to be realistic in music um, and in sports. You know, what I'm saying? Sure. like we said. Not everybody on this McKinley team is going to get a first round, first yeah. pick, and that's like how it is in hip hop. Not everybody going to get a selling million records because in the music industry, people ain't buying music like that yeah, no more. It's, so it, it's like that that didn't change. That, that whole method didn't change up. Even in sports, like not everybody getting them thirty. They think I think the big perception with athletes is like, oh man, we make it and we everybody get a million dollar contract. Some of them guys is making yeah. just to get by. And I'm going to tell you what allowed me to really deal with the dose of reality. So going into my senior year, you got Mike Doss coming from Hartford Middle School. Right. So I started 10 regular season games and three playoff games. But this is Mike Doss. Who people see early, this dude is going to get a scholarship. A legend. Shout out Mike Doss, man. Man, big up to Mike Doss. Just hit the uh, 22 inductee into the College Football Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Mike Doss. Come on, say what you mean, man. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but you're talking about this. he's a strong safety. Same position. Same position. Now, the question becomes, is he going to be a four-year starter or a three-year starter based upon the work that I put in? And so that was a gut check, reality check that this dude's a superior athlete Mm -hmm. as a freshman. The only thing I have is game experience on him faster and stronger. But if he was a sophomore or junior, I'd had to move to free safety. Mm. So that was dealing with reality of making sure I did what I needed to do. And then you got to be realistic about your talent level, man. I mean, I was I was I was a good strong safety, but at five seven, that ain't gonna you, when you running up on Jerome Bennis's. <laughs> when you running Facts. up, what's what's is it? Derrick Henry to play for the Titans, mm-hmm. big boy, six four two fifty running. You down. gotta have a body mm-hmm. that can support that contact. Just like you said, you was Jim Nice. Yeah, in basketball, I'm like that on two K. I'm I, you know I ain't on the real court, yeah. but on two K, yeah. I'm. The, you got to be honest, you can't, you can't talk about you, Steph Curry. I'm Steph Curry on 2K. On the real court. <laughs> but I know I'm on the real court. But you, Jamie Curry. <laughs> <laughs> you, Jamie Curry. <laughs> you, 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 you actual Curry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's- so, I mean, you know, you just got to be realistic about stuff and be realistic about your talent. I'm going to tell you another thing that made me be realistic, and it was the day um, that I decided at the end of the season, I'm done being a walk-on. I'm going to just finish my degree. Kent State is playing Marshall. Mm-hmm. Marshall has Randy Moss. Oh, yeah, bro. Get your degree. He put on a <laughs> clinic. Our best Man. corner couldn't do nothing with him. And you can't do nothing fast forward it. 
that they be on on ESPN. You got moss, man. I got moss that that guy said. I'm you good. got moss. No, I didn't get in the oh. game. I watched and got mossed. Yeah. I was like, if our best corner can't do nothing they with him, moss me. I'm like, I recognize the levels of athleticism. He going to just step right you over you. talking about vertical? Yeah, yeah. You talking about speed. He running a 4-2. You running a 4-5. You're not catching him. Wingspan. Wings, all that. And so I really start being realistic about athletic ability. And I say, you know what? The percentages – it's real small that guys walk on, get the scholarship, and then keep going forward. So my vision, I didn't let my vision just be wrapped up or my sole identity be wrapped up in being a football player. And then, you know, going back to my big six, you got to make healthy and responsible life choices. I like that. You know, we all make mistakes, but you got to make sure that your positive choices or your healthy choices for your life is going to lead because – if I make negative choices all the time, it's going to lead me to negative. But if I make positive choices, it's going to increase the likelihood that I can have success. Facts. So you got to have a vision for your life. You got to make healthy and responsible life choices. And then you got to be resilient. Life going to throw some punches in your nose. Amen. It's going to throw some gut, sh- gut shots. Mm-hmm. It's going to knock you down. But the question is, will you bounce back? So life choices. I got to make healthy and responsible life choices. I got to be resilient. Then you got to find your source of motivation. What motivates you to get out the bed every single day? For me, it was easy. I like to eat. I need <laughs> food, clothing, and shelter. Yeah. Let's just start with the basics. A lot of time, people, they want to be motivated by a Bentley. Man, we human beings. You need food, clothing, and shelter. And I don't want to depend on nobody else to take care of that. Can't, can't drive no Bentley on an empty stomach. Yeah. <laughs> And then, (laughs) you know, growing up in a single parent home, like I said, I was blessed to have the support of my family, even though my, you know, my mom and dad wasn't together. I still had my family, but I just didn't like being he was so far away with in the army. But I just didn't like I got to call my uncles. I got to call my grandfather. I got to talk to him distance. I said, man, I want my kids living with me when I get older. So I use my future kids. I got a 14-year-old and a 7-year-old son. Like, there was my motivation to keep moving forward because I knew as a dude, sooner or later, you're probably going to have a kid. <laughs> For sure. It's going to happen. <laughs> and, you know, I just, you know, I just, I, was, I just started thinking of some practical stuff. Right. I'm like, man, I got to at least be able to have at least a one-bedroom apartment, a piece of car to get around if I need to. And I need a, I need a job. And so it was just like, you got to find the things that will motivate you. But then also helping people was the thing that that motivated me. Help another go past the obstacles and hurdles that you that you was able or blessed to be able to overcome. So vision, life choices, be resilient. I got to find my motivation. And then you got to be persistent. I dig that, Lester. You can, say, points, man. You, you can say what you want to be, but as soon as you say what you want to be, there's going to be obstacles and hurdles that come along to prove if you're really going to be what you said you're going to be. And See like, how bad you want it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the last one is, man, you need some financial foundations, man. You got to understand how capitalism works. You got to understand gross net income. You got to understand uh, understanding, like, once you once you get your net check, what do you do with it? You got to get your emotions in check. Because you can have emotions and you go spend your money, but then you broke. Oh, nothing. (laughs) 
And so you got to have some basic financial foundations on earning, spending, budget, saving, and investing. And so those are the things I think everybody needs, whether you're a student athlete or not. Um, those six things, and it's a whole lot more. I I got to mm-hmm. I teach. Uh, I got 31 what I call super skills. Those big six is super skills that I think that's that's non-academic that we don't teach enough. Because if I got a vision I, and I have an understanding of how the world works, I'll find out that, oh, football, basketball, any other sport from football to badminton, it's a business. It's a business. And so if that's not my business anymore, if I focused on my business – then I can find the next route that I'll be able to take and go pro in something other than sports. Let me ask you this. Um, Zach, you had a question to ask? Go I ahead. was just going to say, I think it's like, I don't know the best way to say it, but like when, you, uh, when, you're, so like when you're training people or working with people, how do you Go ahead, John. I'm sorry. No, nah, you good. <laughs> I was going to. I was going to. I lost it because I saw you about to go. I'm sorry. No, no. Cause <laughs> no, that's cool. It's my cool. my question for Lester. Um, I want to ask you this. Uh, what what's your goal? Like, how far do you want it to go? Uh, with teaching student athletes, like, how far do you want it to go? Like, what what's your what's, what's your cap? Like, what do you, how far do you how how far do you want man, it to go? Man, my job, and I've I've learned this. Um, you know, as you grow and mature. My job is to be a seed planter. That's dope. And so my daily job is to walk around with a big bag of seeds and just spread them. Because they're going to keep growing. And the more I spread, yep. some, it grow, the, the seeds fall on good soil. I like that. Some, it fall on the sidewalk <laughs> so, uh, of somebody's soil. But you still plant, but you still pass them Some out. receive it, some don't. But my job is to be intentional on planting seeds. And then, you know, at the end of the day, I don't have no problem um, with my faith, man. Then he, God decides on what level I go. But my job is to be focused on the seed. And so my level has went right now from elementary kids to middle school kids, high school kids, college age kids. I, uh, I got, I failed second grade. I used to get sent home all the time in trouble and stuff between second grade. By the time I felt that when I uh, failed second grade, I ain't like that feeling. I was like, oh, I got to fix some stuff. Yeah. So I went from the principal's office. Now I'm sitting in college president's offices, college dean's offices, high school principal's offices and superintendent's offices, helping them figure out strategies to help their kids succeed. Because when you match the academic that they handle and the non-academic put those two together. Now it increases the likelihood that kids can succeed because there's, I mean, at the end of the day, we know there's getting a good education is cool K through 12. But at the end of the day, we know that there's some subjects that you're not going to use the rest of your, some may not use school doesn't teach you everything. So there's an education, a formal education, and then there's an informal education that you got to get. And that's the piece I think that's missing now is more people that's willing to go out and plant seeds and not get caught up in whether someone is listening or not. So I got a rule. It's called the 10-80-10 rule. 
you, I, we can walk in anywhere right now. And you got 10 percent that's going to be heavily engaged. Ain't got to worry about it. Then on the back end, you got 10 percent. No matter what you say, they ain't caring about nothing you talking about. The key is how do I work on my skill to pull that 80 percent over into that top 10 percent mm. that's willing to listen. And that's what I focus on versus who listening, who not listening, because if I if I focus on planting seeds at the end of the day, those that's going to hear, going to hear those that will hear my voice, going to hear my voice. Because you did your job. Because I did my job and I worked on my craft. And that's something that I've worked hard on, man. Even, you know, trying to find different analogies. I didn't use a little bit of urban poetry along the way. I didn't even use verses of hip hop that I would try to memorize just to be able to catch their attention and show like, hey, man, this dude is a little different trying to catch my attention. And then, you know, stuff just start. I use things, that, you know, to restart your kids attention span, man. So what what kind of stuff are you telling these uh, like deans and principals and school presidents that they should work into their curriculum to to get these kids going? Because as someone that I kind of graduated kind of recently, 2015. Okay. And I had this conversation with my mom like a week ago. Like I felt like when I got out of high school, I didn't know what the hell to do. Like Mm -hmm. period, point blank. Like I got out of high school and then I got a job, but it was like without my mom, I would have had no idea because they didn't teach you anything in school that was like, actually going to help you in life they didn't teach you how to budget they didn't teach you how to go and buy a house none, yeah, you know, none yeah. of that stuff so so the first thing that i would share with people is we have to accept that school doesn't teach you everything and so what helped me i had to ask myself the question what do i need to succeed yeah so when i ask myself what do i need to succeed it opens the door throughout the universe for now resources and can, can come to me. And so I have to know that for where my life is going, if I have a vision for my life, um, I have to find some informal things as far as informal education that I have to start learning. That's going to make me be successful. In other words, we got to put some more work in so we can't just get caught up on, ah, I just did all this schoolwork. Yeah. You did your schoolwork and you got some more homework that mm-hmm. you got to do. Don't stop there. And I think that's the part where I think 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it was more just kids only need these subjects. Mm -hmm. Now it's kids need these subjects and then kids need more help dealing with life. Kids need more help with career exploration and planning. And so I've been the program coordinator for Rising Scholars at Kent State Start. For the last four years, and then I've been traveling around the country um, since 2004 for my own company, Lester Sanders Limitless Incorporated, LesterSanders.com. And so I get the best of both worlds of doing things with work and being able to speak and spread my message as many as possible, man. Lester, you're doing it, man. Like, I pay attention to all that and all these positive points. Like that that you're making, so I uh, much respect to what you're doing, man, because it's needed. You know, and yeah. the fact that one person is taking that effort to spread those seeds, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying, and teaching the youth and these talented athletes that is more than just on the field and on yeah. the court or whatever, man. That's 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 and, dope. And, and trying to get people, and no matter what what you do or what your thing is, don't get caught up in just the big stage. If the big stage is for you, you're gonna get called to the big stage. But there's a big stage without the big stage. Mm-hmm. And it's it's your thing. 
And, you know, one of the things I try to push when you talk about, once again, the Say What You Mean podcast, but also you being an MC, and I think this is cool for us to talk about, is like in order in order to earn a living and do what you feel that you called to do or your purpose or what you're passionate about, you got to do it. Yeah. So if you say you something, do it. Do it. Don't wait for the reward. So, like, you know, I know you follow you following what I've done over the years. I follow what you've done over the years. If you say you're an MC, be an MC. You get out what you put in. Put some put some albums out. Yeah. If I'm a speaker, go talk to some kids. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of it's a lot of times I go places where I'm hired to talk to kids. And then it's a lot of times for reps, because I'm serious about my craft, but then also just for the cause. I, I'm sitting here being a benefactor of people who just gave their time. See, that's... And invested in me. You're getting out what you put with in. With information. Yeah. So it's my duty to invest in other people as well. And so if you say you are this or that, go be that. Become that. And then that's when doors of opportunity will come for you to, to, to continue being what you say you're going to become, but then also... Ways to earn a living in that process as well. I like that. Lester, here's what I want to do, man. I want to go on a break. And when I come back, it's been a whole podcast full of them. But I want to do a section which you call P's Positive Point. And I want you to tell me a quote that means something to you. Like, I know this whole podcast has been filled with dope yeah. quotes. But, yeah. like, okay. this section is a favorite for me because it's that one quote that defines what you do. Mm. So I'm going to do a quote. You'll do one. And Michael Zach will do one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that'll be the episode, man, because, like, I just think this is a necessary episode because not just for athletes, but people who just to do something. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So can yeah. we do that one on the break? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, All I'm right. down with that. Listen, you got to make me put some pads on, too, about- man, to get my football <laughs> lungs. I'm, I'm about to get on the field now. <laughs> no, I'm just joking with y'all, man. This is Jean-Peter NBC, episode 76, Lester mm-hmm. Sanders. Say what you mean. Peace. Yo, yo, what up, what up, what up? Jean Peter MC, episode 76. Say what you mean. Lester Sanders in the house, man. First podcast, and you doing good, man. First podcast, man. I, I, I think I'm getting, I'm, I think I'm feeling this thing right now. We expect the, the Lester Sanders show <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> nah, man, but um, I also want to give a shout out to the sponsors, too, because you had to remind me when we yeah, did the episode I was, live. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. I was going yeah. to bring it up again. So, uh, <laughs> Sponsors for this podcast is where mm-hmm. we're currently recording it at. The Hub Art Factory is one of our sponsors. Shout out to Tim Carmony for Shout allowing out. us to do the podcast here in this amazing, beautiful space. What you think of the space, Lester? Man, this is dope, man. You like it? I like it, man. I, when you look at the different studios, you say, that they got mm-hmm. here. And I, I haven't seen everything. I, I even want to take a walk around when we're done. Yeah, but of course. This is, a, this is a live spot where creatives can create. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My man David walked in. What's up, David? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> David here, you know what I'm saying? So it's like 
That's one of our sponsors, the Hub Art Factory, and uh, Aaron Dukes at Pristine Steam Wash. Shout out. Yeah. Shout out, Aaron. And uh, Latrice Snodgrass, Equity House. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Melissa Arline, melissaarline.itworks.com. So if you want a chance to win some uh, beauty products that are organic, go mm-hmm. to melissaarline.itworks.com, take the quiz at the bottom of the page, try to win 500 bucks. Get that money, so one of us don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all know how it is, man. If you listen to the podcast, y'all know how we end our podcast. As we ended on a positive note, peace, positive point. We have our guest say a quote. I say a quote. You want to go first, or you want me to go? How you want to do it? Um, I'll lead off if that's cool. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, and lead off. Hello, what's so, up? What's up? <laughs> so, so my first quote is uh, by Urban Poet Sean Carter. Hope, <laughs> <laughs> you know I know that. He you said, got me doing Biggie now, Jay Z. Come on, let's do it, hey, man. You know I told you, man. You hip hop artist. Let's go. I'm a speaker with no rap <laughs> rap skills, so you know we live vicariously through other people. Sometimes I love that you said his real name because you know it's different aspects to Jay Z. No, Sean t- Carter. So, so right. what's crazy is like I, in school settings, I'll say I want to tell you, I want to give you this quote by urban poet Sean Carter. And so a teacher be like, oh, my, who's Sean Carter? <laughs> and you're like, that's home, man. That's Jay-Z, Jay-Z is the home. rock. It's the yeah. rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or I'll be like, I'm going to tell you about poet. the urban, po- like urban poet Clifford Harris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you they be like, whatever you and, like. And, and they'll come up. I've even had people come up to me, man, Cliff, that Clifford, that Clifford Harris, Harris that, that was deep. I said, uh. That's rapper T.I. Oh, <laughs> that, 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 that Christopher Bridges. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, this was a quote he said on a Fade to Black uh, DVD. Oh, okay. Let's when it came that. in, he said, luck. Some people say I'm the luckiest man on the planet. He said, I like to think I stay ready. Mm. A wise man once told me that luck isn't a mystical energy dancing around the universe, randomly bestowing people with satisfaction and joy. He said, Jew, create your own luck. That's why Jay-Z is the greatest of all time. What's that quote mean to you, Lester? Man, that quote means that no matter what you go through, at the end of the day, you heard me say it. It doesn't matter if you white, black, red, yellow, polka dot, male, female. Poor, middle class, or wealthy, you all go through something and you got to create what you want and stop and not just wait on things to come your way. You got to create opportunities for yourself. Man, I like that. You got another one? You got another uh, Clifford Harris? <laughs> you got Clifford Harris quote? I, I, I do got one um, how, I close, how I close a lot of my speeches out. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Um, I'll, so, Clifford Harris, uh, this is a paper trail. Oh, that's a good album. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, don't forget that impossible is nothing. Your environment's irrelevant. Just don't let your emotions overpower your intelligence. Refuse to give up. Your mistakes don't define you. They don't dictate where you're headed. They simply remind you that time keeps ticking. Let your mind keep clicking. Never stop thinking and beware of your decisions and beware of the collisions and the potholes hidden in the road that you travel on your lifelong mission. Just listen. Every day is like a snapshot taken. If you live, you can learn, you can wait. Be patient. You got to say that in the T.I. voice on the screen. What's that verse mean to you, man? Man, for me, it was what I was saying earlier. I had to keep finding clever ways to keep going and sometimes in front of the same kids. Mm-hmm. And then also whether they're not the same kids, but how do I restart their attention span? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And kids, no matter where you are at, they respond to hip hop. They respond to poetry. So it's a creative way to get the real points that I'm trying to make, like the big six, to stick. And you match it with with with, with other things to just spark their interest. I remember um, there was an old Cosby show episode where um, uh, Heathcliff was trying to get Rudy to take some medicine and she wouldn't take it, some pills. So what he did, he grabbed two spoons and crushed the, uh, the tablets up. And then he poured some um, orange juice on it. And then she took it that way. Mm. So to get people what they want, sometimes you got to mix it up or remix it up. So how they receive it. And so that just that 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 quote for me is is about resiliency, man, about not quitting. Part of your big six. Life is not going to be perfect. Yeah. Obstacles and hurdles and change is inevitable. You're going to experience some hurts, pains, traumas, and losses. This is real. And you're going to experience some joys and opportunities. But I can't falter when op- when opposition or opportunity or, or, or adversity comes. You got to be able to push forward. Okay. And that's what it means for me. I like that. Michael, Zach, what's your quote? Yeah, so I'm going to just keep mine short and sweet today. So mine is, the way to get started is to quit talking and start doing and to me, that, you know, pretty simple. Just like we kind of talked about earlier, everyone wants to talk a big game. Like, yeah, I played. You know, I, I played. Yeah. Kenny. But did you really? You yeah. Know, you can talk all you want, but what are you going to do to back up those, that all that talk? Yeah. You know, you got you to you back it up. You can't just talk. And anybody can go and say, like, yeah, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. But what are you really doing to go and do that? Yeah. Are you saying you're going to or are you taking the steps to do mm-hmm. you know what i mean so yeah that's all that's what i got today okay and my positive point is remember this it's simple you are strong enough to make it happen that's one of my quotes but the one quote i wanted to say was from barack obama mm. it says uh change will not come if we wait for some other person or some other time we are the ones we've been waiting for we are the change that we seek mm. And I, I was paying attention to how you talked about how that change, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Thinking, I'm going to just be this athlete. This is all I'm going to do. But you literally breaking down different avenues. Mm. And that's what I want to do with hip hop. I want to yeah. show like, you know, you can be that change. You know, yeah. you don't got to be just a rapper. You can do a podcast. You can do art. You can yeah. do other things. And still... Yeah. Keep it hip hop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the change don't start with somebody else. The change starts with you. Yep. yep. So that's what Sweet. that that's what that quote means to me, man. Okay. This was a great episode, Lester. Yeah, Thank y'all got yeah. you up, man. It, man. This was appreciate a great episode, it, episode 76, man. man. Definitely, it, man. Appreciate you having me on, thinking enough of me to uh share your platform. Yeah, any last shout outs, man? What you any shout outs when we get out of here? Man, I wanna sh- man, three I I I believe in giving people their flowers. Why they alive, man? Um, one isn't alive, but R.C. Hill, Paul Martin, Paul Martin, and then John Lucas. Those were the three men who really helped kick off and push my student development career. Because I told you, R.C. When I got the job, being a camp counselor, um, Paul Martin, City of Canton Youth Development, but he passed away um, a few years back. And then John Lucas, my senior year in high school, man, he gave me an opportunity doing a juvenile diversion program. That's so I want to make sure that I give my flowers to those who helped respect, me along the respect. way. And then everybody in Canton, um, man, 
this is a, this this is this is a good place if you perceive if you perceive it the right way. Yep. 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 Good fact. good things come out of Canton. I love Canton. If we choose to perceive it the right way. That's why I push so hard because it's like Canton ain't what you see in the repository. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's, you can go to another city, it's a good side, and it's then there's the other side too. Yep. Everywhere you go. That's what's up. You got any shout outs, Michael or Zach? Uh, we well, got the mic today. The man. usual shout outs. Uh, <laughs> actually, my first shout is going to be the microphone. I'm not going to be here often, so I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> Uh, enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, I'm gonna enjoy my time here while I got it. Uh, love shout Lester out for joining us. You know, thanks for coming out, checking Appreciate out the it. space here. John, always for letting me on the pod, of course. The hub for letting us do it here, and uh, and Seaweeds for not being able to make it. Shout out Seaweeds. Because <laughs> you're trying to hold it down for. I'm trying to hold it down for you, my guy. So you know. Yeah, man, I got well, one more, man. I got to go shout ahead. out. I got to shout out my son Elijah. Sanders. Shout out Elijah, man. Shout out Elijah, down man. on the man. camera we, over there. Yes, sir. We, we're trying to work on him being a multimedia media mogul back there. That's what's shout up, out man. my seven year old son, um, Kalen Sanders. Okay. And then I want to shout out my uh, legal baby mama going on 20 years. <laughs> 20 years of marriage, Latrice Sanders. <laughs> I like that. Legal baby mama. I like legal that. Baby mama. That's, that's the dope name. <laughs> my legal baby mama. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to all the listeners, man, on the podcast. I want to shout out Lester and his son for coming. Uh, Mike Lazak for being here, man. I want to give a shout out to uh, the city of Canton. Um, I'm just really happy that this podcast is growing. I'm glad we could do episodes Sweet. like this. Um, and to all the student athletes out there, shout out to y'all, man. Go hard. Keep mm-hmm. going. Keep grinding. Chase those dreams. But understand it. It starts with you. And it's a, a life other than the field or the court. Yeah. Keep them, keep them yeah. grades up. Keep them yep. grades up, too. Yep. Yep. The grades is important, man. Because when a coach come look at you, they're going to look at your film, mm-hmm. and then they're going right to the counselor's office. Yep. <laughs> Let me see them transcripts. Yeah. And on average, if you ain't got a 3-2 and above, they move on to the next guy. It don't matter what school, no matter how big no matter or small. No matter what school you are. Yep. So stay in school, y'all. Jean Peter MC, Seaweeds, Michael Zach, Lester Sanders, episode 76, Say What You Mean. We out of here, man. Peace. 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 Uh, say what you mean. Mean what you say. I'm from the 3 3 yo. Where them boys don't play. Say what you mean. Mean what you say. I'm from the 3 3 yo. Where them boys don't play. From the northwest to the northeast. Say my name once and they know it's me. Southeast to the southwest. No arguments. Yeah, I got next. Jean P. One, two. Let me talk my shit again real quick. Uh, I will not settle, these voices not